And I think um, it is really important to do your homework and maybe not just go with, you know, the the sales. Like if you purchase a property through a sales agent, maybe don't just go with their property management arm. Mm. Have a look around and see what other options are out there. Welcome to the Get Invested podcast, where we share conversations I've enjoyed with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills and their money and the benefits this has created. Get Invested helps you to live more, work less, and leave a legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover top tips on how to get started, to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living the dream. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at khgroup.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening, and let's get invested. Welcome back to Get Invested Freedom Fighters. If you're a property investor or you're thinking about it, what do you think makes or breaks your investment success? You may be surprised to hear that it all revolves around property management. Now, if you've got a good property manager, your investment journey can be a dream. However, if you get an average property manager, or worse still, you decide to try and do it yourself, then it often leads to financial and very stressful disaster. Now, despite this, 70% of current property investors still self-manage their property. And those that do decide to get a property manager tend to just focus on getting the cheapest fees. Now, believe me, there's a lot more to it if you're going to be successful. And I think it's probably the reason why 50% of first-time property investors sell their property within the first five years, never to return. So what makes a good property manager? And how do you choose a good one? Well, this is where today's guest comes in. Lauren Robinson is a multi-award-winning property manager, and she's owner and director of her own company, Rental Results. They're a dedicated and professional property management firm based in Brisbane in Queensland. Now, Lauren's been in the industry for years, and she's recently published a book called Rented. And today we talk about this, and we also delve into her experience and expertise to help you to minimise your risk and to maximise your return, and most importantly, enjoy your property investment journey when you decide to put your future into property. So please enjoy Lauren Robinson. Okay, we're back on Get Invested today, and we've got the pleasure of talking to Lauren Robinson. Uh, Lauren is a, an award-winning property manager who runs her own business. She's also an author, but without me getting into the details of it, welcome to Get Invested, Lauren. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Bushy. Great to have you here. Now, really looking, to, looking forward to drilling into our journey today, and, and I'm a big fan of property managers given they are absolutely pivotal to the property investor experience. Uh, before we sort of drill into some of that, can you tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and and why you're doing it? Uh, yeah, so I guess I have um, over 14 years' experience now in the property management industry. So, and I own a, a business in Brisbane called Rental Results. So, um, and I started investing when I was 21. Um, And had a great experience and was working in a property management office at the time, surrounded by mentors. And that's sort of how I I guess I started my property journey initially. Okay. Uh, So the, uh, and let's let's go straight there then. So, So you bought your own property, your first property at 21, is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah. So I bought it. Yep. So when I was 21, I was living in a share house with some of my friends and um, and I thought – and I was surrounded by people purchasing property and working in, in property management at the time. And I guess um, that sort of really spurred me on that. I thought I, I actually really want my own investment property or my own property to live in initially and then, you know, make that an investment as well. So, um, yeah, so started looking. It took me about a year to to find something that I was happy with. Um you know, I, per- I ended up purchasing um, in Paddington in Brisbane. Nice. Okay. And tell me about the, your thinking around that time. What motivated you to want to invest in property at that uh, tender age, Lauren? And um, I guess the fact that I was seeing people invest every day of the week and it just sort of became the norm. That's what I was living and breathing and I was also managing people's investment properties. So, um, I just found it really exciting and whenever I saw someone purchase a new property, you know, I I just felt like I really wanted to get involved and start doing that. So, um, and I guess when I was, the first thing I did was I went and saw a mortgage broker and just wanted to know how much could I actually borrow at 21 um, and, you know, what would be the repayments and just to get more of an understanding about how much of a deposit I'd need. And then I started looking, well, now that I know how much I could borrow, what, where, where can I live? What can I afford to buy? Awesome. Okay. Well, <coughs> what you're demonstrating there straight off the bat is that you're, you're getting your ducks in a row by pre-planning, whereas a, a lot of people we see in the property market it's focus on the property and then try and work the rest out afterwards. Mm. So awesome work on that. Um, let me take a step back then. So you're obviously uh, working in property management at that stage. If we go back mm-hmm. to uh, the time that you decided to get into property management, what was it that attracted you into uh, the property property management arena? Um, I guess I initially, I, did, I, I mean, growing up, I'd never really heard of property managers. Um, I grew up in country town and um, and I, my, my parents had in, an investment property, but um, I didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, and then I, I moved to Brisbane for uni and I rented and we dealt with a property manager, but it was never something that I thought, oh, I definitely want to do that. Mm. Um, and I think I, I got into sales initially okay. and then realized, oh, that's actually quite hard when you're 19. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I then, um, I then sort of fell into property management and I was really lucky to get, um, to to be approached by a property management only company in Brisbane, right. um, and I and I had fantastic training there. So, and I worked there for eight years before they sold the business. But they grew over that time when I started. They had about four hundred properties, and they grew to nearly two thousand over those wow. eight years that I worked there. Massive! That's massive growth. Did they do that all by organic um, uh, lettings, or do they uh, were they buying rent rolls, or how do they manage to um, generate that? Massive level of growth over that time frame. Yeah, so they were um, they were one of the, probably the first property management only companies in Brisbane, okay. um, and I guess they sort of pioneered pioneered that specialist um, or specialisation in the market. So that really helped, and I think they had a, a really good focus on customer service. So it was a really customer centric business. Um, they did buy a small rent roll, but over you know over the time they they really grew the business majority of the business was organic growth. Mm, that's a tremendous effort. It's a real testimony to uh, obviously the, the quality of service that you're providing as a team at that point mm. in time because that is quite oh, yeah. exceptional growth. Definitely. Okay. The, um, uh, so property managers are a unique beast 
in in mm-hmm. my experience, Lauren, because uh, you're uh, quite often dealing with uh, very emotive and quite um, quite conflicting needs at times between oh, what the landlord's looking for and what the tenant's wanting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're obviously a seasoned campaigner because I haven't spoken to too many who've um, survived over 10 years in property <laughs> management. So yeah. talk to me about the, the qualities that you bring to the table and obviously those that you engender in your, your own property management business now that um, have enabled you to uh, survive, prosper and enjoy that property management career. Yeah, I think um, organisation is a it's a big part of it, and you have to you know really be on the ball with a lot of things. Um, I think it take not taking things personally, which is easier said than done. But mm. um, a lot of the time, you know, we are the middle person, um, you know, and and at the end of the day, we work for the landlord, um, and obviously the landlord wants to make sure if they've you know their tenant is their customer. So we're sort of in the middle there, trying to manage that relationship. Yes. Um, and it can be difficult at times, but I think un- having a thorough understanding of the legislation and just relying on that knowledge and also making sure your organisational skills are there. You also have to, you know, marketing, counselling, you know, we wear a number of hats um, and it's just, you know, trying to balance everything and and just remember that we are dealing with humans at the end of the day. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. We're talking real people and it's, it's, it's at that sort of fundamental personal level. Um, now the uh, just just talking that through then uh, the uh, key qualities that you think because uh, I uh, from my knowledge and this may be out of date Lauren but to my understanding I think uh, there's still seventy percent of residential investment properties that are privately managed or that the landlord self manages them mm-hmm. um, if you are talking to uh, someone who's doing that. Uh, what are the benefits of using a dedicated professional property manager over uh, trying to do it yourself, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, very difficult to manage your own property because, for one, you're not only emotionally attached to it. Um, I don't manage my own investments in the office and I think, um, you know, you're sometimes you're not thinking clearly. Um keeping up with the legislation and the knowledge there's about um so you've got your residential tenancy act and you've got your property occupations act and then you also need to know you know your fire legislation and you know there's a number of different sections of legislation you need to be on top of so that's a full-time job in itself then receiving the rent managing the tenancy looking after any um, inspections so ingoings outgoings and routine inspections and then handling any maintenance and that's just the the basics. So you might have a tenant who has a complaint about a neighbour or you've got a dividing fence issue or a tree issue. You know, the property manager deals with all of that for you. Um, we run insurance claims on behalf of, you know, landlords. We pay their rates, their body corporate levies, their, you know, their water bills. And then on top of that, we then invoice the tenants for water. So it's definitely a full-time job. Mm. And I think if you're trying to do this on your own whilst, you know, running, you know, working yourself or running a full-time job and then having if you have a family you know trying to get the kids around and um and also have a life you know it's very difficult absolutely agree i've always said that um uh, if you're trying to self-manage a property you've bought yourself a second job and that's, oh, that's not actually an, an investment that's a, a drain on your time so uh, way better to be the the worst player in the room and get good professionals around you that are looking after you and then just manage the manager 
So, mm-hmm. um, so you, uh, do you handle many interstate landlords in the portfolio of properties that uh, mm. yourself and the business looks after, Laura? Yeah, we've got quite a lot of landlords that are both interstate and also overseas. So, um, and you know, we handle the whole process for them. We take photos at inspections, we take photos at entries, exits. Um, and I guess the other thing, you know, if they're ever in Brisbane, we always love to meet them and have a look through the property together. So, um, but yeah, we've got lots of clients that aren't actually in Brisbane or local and, um, yeah, and they've chosen to, to invest in Brisbane. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, our business is, uh, Helping quite a few investors uh, moving into southeast Queensland as we speak, actually, given the the high growth potential that we think it has at the sort of price points. Um, mm. Are there any additional challenges that come from looking after an interstate landlord over a, a local landlord? Do you think, Lauren? Um, no, I really feel um, you know the whole point of having a property manager is ideally to not be too involved. So they they manage everything and take the stress away from you. So whether you're local or interstate or overseas, really, you know, I've, it's it's it should all be fairly stress free for an investor. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's that's awesome. I've had a, a good look at your book. Uh, uh, rented, which I think really sums up all of the key issues that uh, a potential investor needs to consider both before, during and, and after uh, getting involved in a property. And uh, you cover some awesome subjects in that. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm uh, particularly interested in having a bit of a chat to you about rent vesting because we're quite um, uh, strong proponents of, of rent vesters, particularly for young investors who... Uh, may not have the ability to buy the dream home, but uh, if they rent and then put all of their uh, capacity into tax-deductible properties that if they're structured well, won't cost them much, is a great mm. way to set themselves up. Uh, what's your view on rent vesting and um, uh, what sort of exposure ha- have you had to it with the landlords that you look after today? Mm. We've got a number of landlords and yeah, quite a few actually that have investment properties that choose to rent elsewhere. Um, and I think it's a it's a great option. I mean, I think um, at the moment in particular markets across Australia, there's an oversupply of apartments and house and land packages, you know, are quite often a good investment. Um so what we're finding, and I've got a number of friends who've, who've purchased homes um, further away from the city and then they, they still want to maintain their lifestyle. So they work in the city. So they're renting, you know, within four kilometres of the city, they can run to work in the mornings um, and still, you know, be able to go to restaurants and things like that. But they own an investment property that they eventually may want to live in or it's, you know, growing in capital capital growth in the meantime, hmm. that's not necessarily in the location that they actually want to live in. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of the best of both worlds. It's, mm. it's uh, what we often say is access lifestyle, but uh, own investments that are uh, ultimately going to make you money. Uh, and, mm. and not having to, I think we're, we've all been brought up to believe that uh, you have, have to put all your money into your home. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you separate lifestyle from investment in that context, then you can pretty much have the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. One of the other subjects that you uh, cover is uh, co-ownership. Can you talk a little bit about co-ownership uh, to those that, that may be uh, having to look at that given that individually they may be not able to uh, secure property in their own right? 
Yeah, so I guess it's just another option. So rather than just purchasing a property in your own name, um, it may be worth looking into purchasing a property with a second person, like it might be a family member or um, a friend. So um, there's a number of legalities. So you could, you know, you can purchase as a joint tenant. Um, there's there's different options available out there for people. So, um, but I, I guess you also need to look into the risks because it is similar to having a business partner, mm-hmm. um, and you need to make sure that you've got you know every an agreement is signed before purchasing a property, um, just so that both both parties have their interests assured there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the other subjects that I uh, really enjoyed in the book, Lauren, uh, was your discussion around the reasons that new landlords fail. Can you share uh, with us uh, what they are in essence? Yeah, so I guess when you're a new landlord, there's a couple of things you need to be really careful of um, and they can be you know, purchasing a property that maybe an emotional decision as opposed to something that's going to be a good investment. So um, you may think that you want to purchase a property that, you know, has a pool because you really like, you know, you really wanted to have a pool yourself or purchasing an investment that, um, you know, might be close to a train station or, you know, I guess you've really got to think of what your, who your target market is going to be and, and aim to look at a properties that are going to be able to attract those types of tenants in order to pay the highest rent. Um, when also another thing to be careful is if you're managing a property yourself, you can form a personal relationship with the tenant. So they start ringing you on your mobile, at, you know, on a Sunday if there's a leak and things like that. It's just making sure you have those boundaries because, yes. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business and you should treat it as such. Yes. Um, and also not charging market rent. So you might think, oh, they've been really great tenants. I really like them. They've looked after the property. Um, so I'll just leave the rent, you know, below market rent, which is, is a, it's one strategy, but it's also, you know, if you have a property manager, they that's their job to understand the market and know what rent you should be charging. And yes. again, you've got to remember it's a business. Um and also not maintaining your investment property. So that's that's a really important thing mm. um, is, you know, to make sure you know, like the silicon behind a kitchen's, you know, maintained. It's not cracked or, you know, you're going to a property and, you know, the carpet's torn, things like that. You just want to make sure that your, your property is presenting as well as possible and in a great condition because not only is it a um, legislative requirement, but it's also, you know, you're maintaining your asset. Mm, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome advice. So if, if a, uh, one of the listeners is either an existing landlord or they're about to invest in property, mm-hmm. uh, what advice do you give to them in terms of uh, how to choose the right property manager, Lauren? Yeah, so I guess um, one of the, I always recommend meeting the property manager. And actually in the book, um, which is rented, uh, rented I've actually got um, a checklist in there on what you should be looking for when you choose a property manager Excellent. but there's a number of things so I guess you want to make sure that they I, I always recommend specialist property management agencies so they um, rather than having an agency that focuses on sales as well as rentals that yes. they purely just do rentals because they tend to be a bit more um, focused on that yes. making sure that they understand the legislation asking them how many properties they actually manage and how long they've been at the agency for Mm. um, and also finding out about their leasing process. So if you have a vacant property, how they're going to market your property so it stands out from the others in the marketplace. Do they do personal viewings? Um, do they hand out keys? Do they, what sort of background checks do they perform? 
you know, are they coming through on a regular basis to check your investment for routine inspections? And how do you know, what, like, what are they actually checking when they go through? Mm. Um, so there's a whole list that I've actually got and put together so that I would recommend asking a property manager just so you have a really good understanding of what your expectations are of them and what they what you what you can expect from them too. Yeah, that, that's awesome. A, a couple of rules of thumb then that flow from those questions. So let's take a couple of those uh, mm-hmm. because the the average landlord or investor really won't have a, a sense or feel for this. But one of your questions you mentioned was how many properties do you manage? What mm-hmm. what is a an a, a sort of number that's uh, comfortable to uh, for a property manager to be able to? Uh, yeah, it really depends on um, on the structure of the business. So, mm. you know, if it's a portfolio business, which means that one property manager manages um, manages the entire process. So they might, um, and in, in our office, for example, we have someone who looks after the leasing of the properties. So her full time job is to make sure that there's no vacancies. Yes, um, and then the property managers focus on the entry condition reports the vacates, the maintenance and the handling of any t- issues that may arise during the tenancy. Right. And we have a, a different person who does all the trust accounting. So, yes. And typically a property manager would manage around about 100 properties depending on their level of experience. So yes. um, it just it really just depends on their capabilities and how long they've been with the agency and, and their level of experience at the end of the day. But, um, you know, if you have got maybe a new a new property manager, they may not be able to manage 100 properties. They might be able to manage, you know, 10 or 15 initially mm. until they get, gather that experience and, you know, understanding. So if, if you were a landlord, let's say you're looking to get your own property managed, Lauren, mm-hmm. what answers are you looking for to those key questions to make you feel comfortable that uh, you've got the right person looking after your uh, greatest investment? Yeah, I guess I'd probably want to see an example of an entry condition report that they've completed because the entry condition report is probably one of the most important documents and it sort of sets the tone for the entire tenancy. I'd want to know um, how often routine inspections are carried out and whether the property manager is doing those themselves or whether they've got, you know, sometimes agencies outsource the routine inspections to another company Mm. or they may also have a junior staff member doing those. Yes. Um, And I'd also want to make sure, you know, will I be noticed? of all maintenance and do they have any systems or technology that handle that that maintenance process yes um because i think you know they're the main the main things the entry condition report you know really saves you at the end with the vacate and then during the tenancy you want to make sure that the property's you know regularly being checked and everything's um in order mm, no that's that's very good advice so the um uh, the key thing I'm taking away from what you're saying is that uh, the benefits of a portfolio approach where effectively you've got one property manager managing uh, beyond leasing your property from end to end and therefore is totally across uh, pretty much all of the issues associated with that property uh, would be far more beneficial than the, the other option in the industry which is the sort of pod approach where you've got a conveyor belt of people handling different aspects of it and therefore much greater opportunity that some something's going to fall through the cracks. Would that be a, a fair assessment? Yes, definitely. So I think quite often um, there's actually, you know, quite a high turnover in property management in the industry. So the average property manager generally turns over every six months, which, mm. you know, no landlord wants to know about. Right. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, 
you really want to know that the property manager is going to be the one at the beginning who's put the tenants in and also the one who's going to do the vacate at the end. So there's no sort of um, safeguard to say that they're going to be there the whole time. But ideally, you want to know they've been with the agency for a while and they're going to stay, ideally. Um, Yeah, so I think portfolio system is good because – at least you have that relationship with the property manager. You ring the office, they know you, they know your property and they know your tenants. Whereas if you're ringing an agency and you're you're dealing with maybe someone who's never seen your property, mm. um, it's, it's you know, not definitely not the same experience in terms of service. Yeah, very good point. Now, the, uh, the, the other side of the coin here, I guess, is that in terms of having a successful business and a successful experience for your landlords, you, you've obviously got some criteria around... Uh, landlords as well as tenants. So you, mm. what what sort of landlords and or properties do you say no to as a business lawyer? Yeah, so I normally go out and see every new management that we put on um, and I, f- I feel like that's sort of a non-negotiable for me and I, I really need to do that just mm. to make sure that, you know, it's it's not sort of a, um, a liability as well. So we really want to make sure that landlords are maintaining their property, not only for um, risk mitigation reasons for, you know, themselves and our office, but also, you know, to make sure that it's safe for the tenants. Um, it's, it is, there's a number of requirements under the legislation. So like owning an investment property is actually an, a um, business and you need to treat it as such. So, and you need to be aware that, you know, if you have cracks in your driveway or if you've got pavers that are lifting, that's actually a trip hazard and could be a potential risk. So um, it is really important to make sure that your property is well maintained. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. So I think if a landlord wasn't prepared to, to look after their property or spend money, um, you know, that would be a concern if, if there were risks at the property. Mm, okay. Well, let, let's um, uh, flip around to the other side. And uh, what advice do you give investors in terms of the warning signs uh, uh, when you're looking out for choosing good tenants? Mm. Um, I guess, you know, it's really important to make sure, like we do all our checks on our end. So when we're doing our checks, we make sure that the tenant's not blacklisted on any database. Um, we're also making sure that, you know, if, they're, if they own their own business, we're speaking to their account and we're getting financial information. We're speaking to their current employers if they're employed. We're checking all the previous rental references. Um, if they own a property, we're checking on that as well. So, doing as many possible checks as, as, as are available mm. um, and also making sure that, you know, if, if these things aren't done, you know, you could potentially have a risk of your landlord insurance not covering you mm. if, if the basics haven't been met at the beginning of the tenancy. So that's probably one of the most important things as well as the entry condition report is making sure that you've done all the checks on the tenant. So there are always risks involved in, in owning an investment property and, you know, tenants – um, you are dealing with people, so things can change in their life. So um, all you can do at the beginning is make sure you've done as many checks as possible to try and mitigate any any risks there. Yeah, awesome. Uh, one of the other subjects that uh, a lot of land landlords get um, concerned about is uh, tenants having pets. Now, a lot of people mm-hmm. have pets. What, what's your view of that and, and what do you say to landlords who, who may have those concerns? I really think, um, you know, it it comes back to the property and whether, you know, it's suitable to have a pet there and also um, the tenant as well. So, you know, obviously there's good pet owners and not so good pet owners. So we ask for a pet reference. um, We ask for photos of the pet. 
and we try and gather as much information as possible. If we have a particular breed that the pet is, we look into what's, what typically are the traits of that breed. Um, but it really comes back to, you know, whether the property is suitable. And we find that if it's a, a family home with a fully fenced yard, you know, you are likely to attract a family with a pet. And by not allowing a pet, you know, you really do limit your market. So I think it just comes back to it's often something that um, it should be considered upon application um, depending depending on the property. Mm, okay, no, that, good thoughts around that. Um, okay, uh, now sort of turn to you, turning back to you and your business. I, I, I love talking about property management, as you can see. Uh, mm-hmm. given that, uh, <laughs> it, it's certainly been a, a big part of our own property journey to now. But um, uh, having a look at yourself and your business now, uh, noticed in one of your media releases you talk about uh, uh, the fact that you've taken your business from naught to 400 properties in three years. Can you tell us about that and and what challenges have you uh, and your business experienced in in enjoying that sort of massive growth? Yeah. Um, I guess I initially started the business um, on my own. So Mm. I I, um, had an opportunity to work from the back office of a developer's office and he just – he let me use a, a desk there, which was really, really great. So that helped initially when I was first starting out um, and I worked there until I had about 70 properties that I was yeah. managing and then um, and then I was able to afford an office space but that was probably the hardest time when you're doing everything on your own so you're you know you're answering all the phone calls you're emptying the bins you're mm. doing the mail Massive. plus all your normal property management jobs you're trying to lease properties do all the trust accounting pay the um, the tradespeople and it, it can be quite overwhelming mm. and I spent a lot of time at the office um, in that first year, um, but it does get easier. And as you grow, you know, you've got support staff, and um, and you, you know, it, it's definitely a lot easier um, after a while. So now I've been going now for four and a half years, and we manage nearly five hundred properties now. So um, well done. And we've got this um, six of us at the office now, which is, Brilliant. you know, much easier. Mm, it's a. Uh, I'm I'm hearing a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and many oh, yes. late nights and lots of weekends <laughs> in those early days. Uh, yes. Talk to me about uh, the, the decision to open your own property management business. Now, you're obviously working for a successful business for quite t- some time, and you mentioned that that business was sold. Was that the that's what prompted you to make that decision? Talk to us about your thinking at the time, if you can, please. Lauren, yeah, it's a I actually move. I never. I never wanted to own a business, to be right. honest. Um, okay. That was never something that I, I woke up. I, I just never thought – it's not something that I ever thought I ever wanted to do, but mm. I actually was studying um, a marketing degree whilst I was working, oh. um, and I'd been doing that for nine years um, whilst working full-time, and so I finally finished. So after I worked at um, at the office for eight years where they had – you know, I grew up to 2,000 properties. I worked for another office after that doing business development for three years. Okay. And then I actually was approached by a developer who said, you know, would you – you should start your own. Would you like to, you know, use the back of my office um, to start? And I thought, well, you know, probably – it's probably a really good opportunity to do so. And at the time I said no um, initially okay. and then I sort of came around in thinking and and because uh, it, obviously it's a big step going from, you know, earning a, a decent income to mm. basically, you know, earning nothing um, <laughs> and sort of, you know, and you're used to going into an office and having, you know, heaps of emails and being really busy and to all of a sudden walking in and you've got on a single email and you've got to generate a business, which is not so easy. No, absolutely. I, I 
well, I've shared that journey on a number of occasions. And uh, so, so looking back now, what, what's been your biggest challenge in your career today and what, what have you learned from that? I think initially in that first, um, probably the first six months, they, you know, when you're, you're, ne- you're incredibly exhausted, you, you know, you're earning less than half of what you were before and you're working more hours than you've ever done before. I just, I, I just was sort of thinking, why am I doing this? Mm. Um, and I, I had a probably three people approach me at the time to go into partnerships with them. And I seriously considered that just because I just couldn't see how this would get any better. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I persevered. Um, so because, yeah, I, just, I feel like now the decisions are a lot easier to make when it's just, you know, solely one director. Totally. And I would, would absolutely endorse that decision, uh, having been involved in a number of partnerships over the years. Uh, while they've been very beneficial to get you to a certain point in time, there's still a, an element of compromise that comes in when you're mm. having to uh, uh, satisfy a number of people's needs. So what, what, what gave you the resilience to say, well, no, I think I'll just soldier on? Can you remember what your thinking was at the time? Um, I, I asked a few people um, in around me and everyone sort of had said, you know, if you can hang in there and, you know, perhaps look at hiring someone. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to do when, you you know, you can't afford to hire someone. But mm. I sort of thought, no, I, I need to do that and I'll, I'll jump on to that. Um, I'll take that path rather than a partnership and, and then reassess it in maybe six months' time and see how I'm feeling at that point. Okay. Um, and I'm really glad I did that. Absolutely, yeah. I would uh, uh, full praise to you in in having the the solitude and the the resilience to be able to uh, overcome that mountain because it's it's the old story when your business gets to a certain critical mass, all of a sudden things start to change, mm. and uh, clearly the the growth for yourself and the business has been exponential since then, and mm. uh, with the amount of industry recognition that you're achieving and. Uh, Taking the time out to write a book. So talk to me about that, having having taken 18 months to write my own book and it's a very interesting journey. Talk to me about the, the book writing experience. Why did you do it? What's been the benefits to you and to others of going mm. through that? Please, Laura. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously I, I did a program um, that, to write the book and that was a really good experience. Um, I guess it, it sort of set out how, like the stages of it. We did a 30-day writing challenge so um, where every day you wrote a 1,000 words mm. um, and it's, it's actually been a, a really great experience. I had a book launch in March this year and since then I've, you know, done a number of radio um radio talks and I also did some work with a major bank um, on talking about millennials purchasing investment properties and um, there's been some great opportunities that have come out of writing this book. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I'd I'd highly recommend it. It's also been a really good tool for our clients and potential new clients because Mm. it sets out in the book um, a lot of the questions we often get asked by new landlords in particular. So we've given in the book, there's checklists and um, a, a lot of information on, you know, the process or ha- what to look for when you're purchasing a new investment. So, um, yeah, and it sort of just helped me in my own mind clarify the process and, and really um, really just make sure that it was really clear in my own head what what steps a new investor does take and, and then be able to write all the checklists for those. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, given that as a background and the and the deep thinking work you've done in helping others through the book, 
what are some of the bad recommendations you hear in your industry uh, in relation to property management, Lauren? Um, I guess, uh, well, I guess often, you know, you hear an, an investor might think that we're all the same and they choose an in, a property management company purely based on, you know, cheap fees. And I think mm. it's really important to make sure, like anything, you get what you pay for. Yes. And I think um, it is really important to do your homework and maybe not just go with, you know, the the sales. Like if you purchase a property through a sales agent, maybe don't just go with their property management arm. Mm. Have a look around and see what other options are out there because the level of service you may receive, you know, could be the difference between having a successful investment property and a not so successful investment property. So mm-hmm. I think it, it is really important to do your research um, and understand the market. And I've had friends looking to purchase investments and, um, and you know, perhaps the, the information they've received may not be correct in that, um, you know, I think if you're looking at rental appraisals or wanting to know the value, I'd talk to a couple of different um, third-party property management companies just to understand um, really the true value of the, the rent rather than just going with what you've been told through the sales agent. Mm, that's a very good advice. I've, I've heard an expression uh, a number of times that, uh, you know, the difference between Paying for a good property manager and a, and a bad one's often about a cup of coffee a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's it. And if you're yeah. prepared to put your property, and which is your greatest investment, at risk for a cup of coffee a week, then uh, you've really got to consider uh, the decision that you're making. So mm. uh, yeah, no, I 100% agree with everything you're saying there, Lauren. It's um, as I keep saying, uh, the property manager is the key person in the success of a property investment journey long term term because if you've got a good one uh, and and uh, they hang around for the, the long term then the journey can be very easy uh, because everything's been looked after so that's mm. awesome now sort of coming back to uh, yourself and uh, sort of looking to the future Lauren uh, can you talk to us about what your dream lifestyle looks like and and how that might differ from what your current lifestyle is and what are you going to invest in between now and then to bridge the gap? Mm. So I guess um, like last year I purchased a commercial property which is different to what I had been looking at previously and I Mm. think um, what I'm looking at doing next is actually um, my partner, he owns an investment property as well so between the two of us we're actually looking at renting for a little while together, okay. um, rent vesting, yes. and um, yeah, trying to work out where we want to, to purchase a home. So mm. that's our next step. Awesome. Um, and then from there, you know, purchase a, a home to live in together. Um, yeah, so I guess in the future, I'm probably wanting to continue to grow my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do see it as um, a great form of of you know setting yourself up for your future and and having that reoccurring income there for for the future when you you do retire mm. um so yeah i i continue i plan on continuing to invest in property i think it's been a really great experience so far and i've got a, a couple of properties now and yeah i'm definitely going to be continuing on that path excellent now in my own study uh, looking at successful people and in, in all walks of life uh, Time and time again, I see that you know a lot of Australians invest their just invest in their work, their career, and they focus on just the income side. Where mm-hmm. those that I've seen achieve true freedom also invest in growth assets that over time replace their active work income with passive income. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You're obviously investing in your business. You're investing in property as a means mm-hmm. to to help you put you in that position where you you're getting more time back to do things you enjoy doing. Um, apart from those, is there anything else that you would consider investing in uh, as you move forward, uh, Lauren? I guess um, in terms of education, so I'm constantly, mm. uh, like every year I've been doing a course. So I've done, um, not only have I done my business degree, but I've also done three separate business accelerator courses. Okay. Um, so every year I've done one since I've started the business. Um, <clears throat> I also, you know, doing it, I go to a lot of networking events and if there's any education that I can attend that to help grow both myself and the business um yeah I'm all for that um so that's probably and I actually really love love learning so I think that's that's you know anything that I can do to to learn more and to to grow my business essentially is is what I want to focus on um I don't know enough about shares and things like that. So I'm not, you know, I, I still feel that property is where I'll be investing majority of my time and also mm. in the business. So Yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now I'm going to do a complete pivot here for a minute, Lauren, because this is a little mm-hmm. hobby horse of mine because I, I, I still sense that uh, way too many Australians are, are working very hard and paying <coughs> way too much tax. Mm-hmm. So what are the top things that you've done to save tax and, and keep more of your hard-earned in your pocket yeah I guess um well owning an investment property and also spending money on that investment property to maintain it Mm. um has really helped um with saving tax um and I think you know that's that's probably my number one um tip is to you know if you have an investment property and you need to you know do any upgrades or maintenance then to look at it as a tax deduction so it is it's an expense that you can claim um often so and i'd speak to your accountant on what you can and can't claim but um yeah i think you know maintaining your investment is a great way to um to also grow that that wealth in the property and also and make sure your property is being well maintained and getting the best rental return. Yeah, fantastic, awesome. Okay, now look, um, uh, I'm going to enter what I call the ambush uh, bushfire lightning round now, Lauren, okay. which is uh, <laughs> playing on my nickname, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Just a couple of very quick questions. So, uh, starting off, uh, what quote do you live your life by or think of often? Um, I really liked, um, so there was a, a, I did a course a few years ago, which is Business Blueprint, and they said that you're either um, green and growing or ripe and rotting, which means, um, <laughs> you know, I guess it's really important to continue to grow and learn. Otherwise, you um, you get left behind and you sit and, and you rot. So, mm. um, I often think of that. Um, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And um uh, what's the one book that you, apart from yours, that you recommend uh, our listeners should have a look at and why? Um, I really liked Rich Dad, Poor Dad yes. by Robert Kiyosaki. I think um, that was probably one of the first property investment books I read when I was 19. Mm. Um, and I, I learned a lot from it. I think it really just sets it the uh, a really good understanding of you know how to grow wealth and um and that's that's probably been a key to to what I've done to date. Mm, absolutely, I had a I call it my Kiyosaki moment. It was a big light bulb mm-hmm. moment for me a long time ago. I won't tell you how many years because it'll 
I'll start showing my <laughs> age, but um, it's certainly some gold there in terms of the principles that you need to start living by, particularly with the focus on generating passive income rather than ah. focusing on active work income. Yeah. So, yeah, brilliant. Uh, what about podcasts? You're a podcast listener. Any any favourite podcasts that you listen to regularly, Lauren? Um, there's a couple of podcasts. I typically listen to property-related podcasts. Mm. Um, so, oh, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head, but there's a couple that I do have on my, my regular list mm. um, that, yeah, it's all property-based, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, some great. There's so many out there now. Yeah, I, I love Kevin Turner. I, I love the breadth, and oh, breadth yes. of the stuff that he goes through, and I think you've been a guest on there at one stage early this year too. Yes, from memory. He's fantastic. He's yeah, awesome. I often listen to his podcast as well. So mm. yeah, he's great. He's a good one. Now, what, what's the best piece of investment advice that you've ever received, Laura? Um, I guess it's more. Um, I think learning my my previous employer had said to me make hay while the sun shines and I think that comes back to getting into the market now whilst you're young um and you know work hard at chipping away at that so that you can you know enjoy yourself later in life so I think you know paying down those mortgages and you know reap the rewards later Mm -hmm. yeah it's spot on time is your friend and if you get in early enough it, it it makes the journey so much easier no, oh, so, definitely. Uh, starting at 21, uh, one of the smart ones is there's way too many partying until they get into their 30s and even 40s uh, before mm. they start thinking about it. And we have quite a few investors who come to us in their 50s and I call it their oh shit moment because uh, <laughs> suddenly they realise super's not going to get them there and that uh, they need to pull rabbits out of a hat to get themselves in a position where they can maintain their lifestyle long term. So no, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, just to close then, what's a, a personal habit that, uh, contributes most to your investment success so far? Um, I guess one of the things I do is I'm all constantly on the lookout for property um, and mm. not only do we I have the luxury or the um, I'm very fortunate to be able to work with property investors every day and I see a lot of investment properties mm. um, but we all, I'm also on realestate.com every single day of the week so okay. um, looking for to buy and also at rental properties. So I have a really good understanding of the market, which has definitely helped when I look to purchase my own properties. I know mm. sort of what demographic of tenants are likely to rent that property and also, you know, whether that should be around that market value or not. Mm. Yeah, spot on. Now, given the exposure you've had to investment personally, but also the number of landlords that you've uh, assisted over the years, uh, if you were to draw together uh, and, and perhaps think of the most successful one that you've uh, worked alongside, what have they done and, and what has been the keys, do you think, to their success in property? Mm, I think, um, I mean, I've got, there's a number of successful investors that we work with on a regular basis and I think um, the key has been that they've used the equity in their investment to purchase again. So they've been able to grow, you know, great portfolios and some of them, you know, have retired early um, and they've been able to, they live off the profits of that, those portfolios and they know when to get out too. So, mm. um, you know, they, they look at the market and they know when's a good time to sell and, and you know, or reinvest as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I've learned a lot from those people. Awesome. Excellent. Well, look, um, really appreciate you uh, dedicating so much of your precious time, given I know how 
busy you and the business are. It's a life as a property manager is always frantic. <laughs> so uh, really appreciate you uh, being so generous and having having a chat to me, Lauren. No thanks, Bush. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. It's been awesome. Uh, we, I think we're both graduates of the key person of influence program, which uh, yeah. it's certainly been life changing for me in terms of. Uh, helping me to get very clear on our message and how to communicate that and, and writing the book has certainly been very cathartic in that process and uh, I'm sure you've enjoyed the, the same experience in that regard. Mm, so, definitely. Uh, good people in property are hard to come by, Lauren, so uh, keen to stay in touch. Uh, yes, the Get Invested podcast uh, will continue to focus on issues that are important in the investment arena. And uh, as I said a couple of times, property investment is very key in that. And you're you're closer to the uh, ins and outs of uh, the property journey more so than anyone, given the the length of time you spend managing properties across a broad range of areas. So I'd love the opportunity uh, to come back to you and and talk to you about changes in the industry and challenges and and what some of the innovative uh, solutions might be in terms of uh, mm. really optimising uh, an investment portfolio. Mm, sounds great. Yep, be happy to be part of that. Terrific, Lauren. Well, you have a fantastic day. Thanks again, and thanks, uh, we'll look forward you. to talking soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye for now. Bye. How good was that? I hope you enjoyed it. To get a summary of all the investment gold and to get a copy of the show notes, email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. That's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au. Or check us out at www khgroup.com.au forward slash get invested and join me next week for another episode of the get invested podcast thanks for listening and as always dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow